0: How do you have a daily huddle without people how do you have a weekly work plan meeting without people how do you do a pool plan without people it's not about the tools tools are, are great but they're just tools sitting there they're just you know lumps of inert whatever if they're not being used by people welcome
1: everybody to equality podcast season two john thacker and jake hero here with brian winningham who we invited on the show because he has winning in his name and he is going to tell all of us how to win brian is the owner of field driven lean which specializes in construction lean in the construction industry great topic that we've had uh, with a couple of guests so far and we can't wait for brian to continue the conversation uh interesting topic here we're discussing better easier um, sort of a post-lean mindset. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here and excited to talk to you folks.
1: Well, we're excited to have you on too. Although, you know, we had to take some points away when we found out you knew Jesse Hernandez. So, uh, that's a strike. But other than that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Welcome I, to the show.
0: I, I think that maybe I ought to get some points for knowing him longer than almost anybody else. I mean, you know, that's uh, that's sort of a uh, long suffering thing there. Maybe I ought to get a little bit hey, of yeah, that yeah,
1: way. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You get you get long suffering points there. A interesting
2: choice, John, that you picked winning out of his name and not Ann.
1: If it was winning I, bacon, I would have gone with the bacon thing. Yeah, winning bacon. Not, oh that'd be yeah. a guy I bring onto the show in a heart. I would have <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, Mr. Thacker, you cannot have bacon without the ham.
2: Fair, it's the same animal. That is fair. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and what a day in your life looks like.
0: Uh, it, it depends. So, uh, you know, it's uh like like most folks. Like my business was uh, fairly well interrupted by COVID. Uh, just this past week, I had my first business trip, uh, traveling to a client's office and. 19 months. So that's been, uh, it's been a really great week for that reason. Uh, just that alone. So, uh, this week has been a little nuts, you know, but lots of, uh, four hour, uh, sleep nights because of the travel and, uh, you know, I was on a red eye at one point, I think. And, but, uh, you know, most time I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really chasing that, uh, uh, sleep hygiene and trying to make sure that, uh, you know, I get a good night's sleep and, and uh, uh, I got diagnosed with sleep apnea several years ago and, it, you know, just uh, getting a CPAP machine and stuff like that's really made just a huge difference. And, you know, no more, no more drop season falling asleep in the middle of talking to you folks and stuff like that. So well, uh,
2: This this podcast is well known for causing sleep apnea. So we're, <laughs> we are glad to have you. Tell us about Field Driven Lead.
0: So I was a project manager in construction for about, 20 years. Uh, before that, I, I had done various other jobs in construction, and I started out in the field. Uh, uh, well, sort of. I, I actually started started working in a lumber company when I was about 10 years old. Um, think about, uh, uh, imagine that if you crammed uh, Home Depot into your Aunt Sally's house, you know, about 2,500 square foot. And that's the place where I worked starting when I was 10 during the summer. So, uh,
2: Back when lumber remember, was new. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was a small town in Arkansas. I mean, I can't uh, can't tell you, you know. I mean, it was just uh, different than a lot of other places, and and a lot of different, you know, uh, uh, opportunities because of that. You know, I mean, I, you know, if we lived in a big city, everybody would have been like, "Oh God, no, call child services." But uh, you know, I loved it. I got up on my bicycle every morning and went to work. It was great. Um, That's awesome. But, you know, so, yeah. So I've been in construction like my whole life. You know, my dad was a. uh, uh, uh an equipment operator he pipelined when i was very small uh, he managed the lumber company where i worked i mean little nepotism never hurt anybody right uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know and uh he also did you know hvac he was an hvac tech uh, It's what he finally did the re- you know towards the end of his uh career is what he was doing when he retired so it's kind of been my blood it's been something i've done my whole life uh you know took a little stint out and joined the army and and was a ranger for four years, but uh, that that tends to get you broken about as quick as working in the field does. So I ended up uh, moving into the office finally, and, and you know, spent the last twenty years or so as a project manager before opening my business. And now I get to go help folks, uh, you know, have better experiences in construction.
1: So, so um, of course, the working for yourself thing has some really cool aspects and some unique challenges, as uh, I'm finding out. Um, <laughs> So congratulations on that. Um, takes a yeah, just a for anybody
0: person. considering working for yourself, I mean, just whatever, however you price yourself, uh, you know, whatever whatever number you put there, just, just know that 40% of whatever that number is, is going to Uncle Sam right off the bat. I mean, just, right. just you got to think about it that way, you know, when you're starting a business and, and you know, and you got to figure out what that number is that it takes for you to live on, so.
1: Yeah, it's a good job, but the boss is a bitch. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> toughest guy I ever worked for. So when we're talking about lean and lean in construction, um, I think as you go through different, maybe, um, industries, right. There's different flavors and different, um, collective experience. So for, contrast in my own career uh, working in tier one automotive supply chain um, lean is a requirement as is a um iso you know stuff like that and so the people that are doing the work this is how we do our job and they don't know any better now that's good and bad right it's bad because well let's start with the good it's good because it's getting you the consistent results you need to produce automobiles that don't kill people right and it's bad because um there's a a barrier to continuous improvement um the fact that you're using lean tools doesn't mean that the human nature of we've always done it this way you know magically goes away right um and Occasionally, you know, we'd run into folks, mostly engineers and management, honestly, not, not usually the people doing the work, but people in leadership positions that, you know, if they couldn't find it in their lean for dummies book, then they wouldn't even consider you know, the, the option. And then moving from there to like retail consumer goods warehousing. I mean, that's like I uh, I don't know. It's, it's like a, an ant colony, but without the order, you know? Everybody's <laughs> running around in a different direction. There's like trash on the floor, you know? It's just a, a mess and nobody cares because there hasn't been any financial incentive to clean that up like in the history of retail, right? There kind of is now. There's a little bit of a supply chain push now that um, labor is getting more expensive, right? Um, so, different sector, you know different industry, different uh, ethos. And of course construction where it's largely partnerships, you have trade partners, you have the GC, you have the client, you have the VC that you know is the, the real client, uh, you know all of these people working together. And you know trade partners are uh, eminently practical folks. Um, i imagine that it has its own unique flavor so tell me a little bit about that and the challenges with lean and continuous improvement in that environment
0: well just just the fact that you're calling them trade partner means that jesse's already you know infiltrated <laughs> your mind uh, because you know most of my industry calls them subcontractors and and it's a it's a contractual exchange and that's all it is you know and it's it's not it's not a relationship. It's not, it's not building trust. It's not doing any of the things that you need to do to succeed. Uh, You know, I mean, I I can give you a dollar and you can give me a dollar and it it doesn't change anything anywhere. You know, I I can give you a dollar's worth of work and you can give me a dollar for it. And if, if nobody gives a shit about it, then it doesn't matter. Uh, You know, I mean, it, 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 and that's where we are, you know, I mean, we, we just, we think that somehow we can get compliance out of people because nobody cares <laughs> right and, and compliance is you know i mean I, I, that doesn't work uh, ask the soviet union how that worked out for them
2: well i'm yeah. a huge fan of what you said your central theme of easier better for this conversation and why i'm a huge fan if you look on john's desk there you'll see my book chasing excellence and in the first page of the book is a quote by John that says, how do I get more of the outcomes I want, less of the outcomes I don't want for the least possible resources? And uh, that struck me you know, more than enough to r- go on and write the book. And that's why it's on page one. And <laughs> I live by that mantra. There's no dogma. There's no specific approach. We are going to do whatever is better and easier. So tell us your approach to that.
0: You know, I try to tailor that to the team that I'm working with. You know, what do they need? You know, what what is it that they need? Uh, you know, if I'm working with a young superintendent, is it that they need a mentor? You know, do they need, you know, someone to talk to all the time that, that you know, so you know, if they if they're able to, you know, maybe get them hooked up on text and we're texting a lot, you know, and that's that's a way that I can stay in touch and help them where it doesn't, you know, break the bank for them or cost them a bunch of money or anything, you know, and it's it, it doesn't cost me a lot of resource or capital either to do something like that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's finding those touch points. And, uh, I, I am so genvious, uh, that's a Jennifer Laceyism, uh, uh, because she's a genius and, uh, she's, uh, uh, just amazing. I don't know if you folks have run into her yet or not, but, uh, Jen Lacey is amazing. We run into Uh, her
2: in a couple of weeks, don't we, John? Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. I'm
0: not, I'm not going to steal her thunder, but, you know, yesterday we were on, uh, Jesse and, and her, uh, uh, morning collabo session on Saturday mornings, uh, talking about, you know, lean in relationships, five S in relationships. And, uh, you know, she asked a question, so, uh, how do you have a daily huddle without people? How do you have a weekly work plan meeting without people? How do you do a pool plan without people? It's not about the tools. <laughs> Tools are, are great, but they're just tools sitting there. They're just, you know, lumps of inert, whatever, if they're not being used by people. That, that The people's where it's all at. And that, that's the, the approach that I try to take too, Jake. You know, I don't, I don't try to focus in any one direction. Uh, I try to start them on the things that I know they're going to be daily habits first and get those going. Uh, those are easier a lot of times uh, just because you're doing them every day.
2: I mean, I love that you said collaboration first because I had no idea how to pronounce that hashtag. I, I was going way too far. I was like "calama la seshon." <laughs> I'm trying to think through that. That's uh, how I started my not morning strange. as well. We were both on there at the same time. Uh, fantastic
1: conversation. Jesse
0: Jesse might speak a little Spanglish, but so you uh, might you might throw a, a cabo on there somewhere or something. But uh.
1: <laughs> so I like the um, conversation around tailoring it to the specific context. And and really, if the if that wasn't necessary, we wouldn't have so many continuous improvement professionals out there, right, you can't just use a tool and it makes you better. Um, Having said that, there is the psychology of uh, just taking action that people miss when it comes to lean and continuous improvement. Uh, I worked (laughs) for a site that was run by a company that had a business operating system and it was a mature system and they wanted to implement it at this site which was a brownfield we had taken over from a different supplier and of course hired 90 percent of the people that were already doing the work Um, and of course that uh, approach is ill-advised and i was in the kind of position where i sort of had to coach senior management um and and uh in a gentle way, you know, you're you're a fucking idiot. Um <laughs> so we had a senior sir, VP that you have to uh, say sir at the end of that. Have to say sir sir? So, uh, so we had a senior vice president that came to visit the And, and, and it's, it's sir,
0: don't be a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's how you say like, it I, to him. I just ordered you all your boards. And I'm like, you just ordered me all my boards. So we had like corporate branded visibility wall boards, you know, and, and I'm like, OK, first of all, so you ordered a, a an employee suggestion board. We don't even have like a process or habit in place for this. What's worse, not having one or having one that's not used?
0: Right? Not 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 be, not using the one you have. I mean, you lose yeah. trust.
1: Yeah, it's a big slap in the face to the employees, you know, and then and, and they're just going to see all of this as some corporate project that doesn't matter to them and, and so on and so forth. So you can't, the metaphor that I use, you can't go from zero to fifth gear, right? And that's what this company was trying to do, right? They were in neutral on a hill and they were trying to, to jam it into fifth gear and get rolling, ill-advised, right? You've got to get into first gear first, get rolling, you know, build steam. So there's a process to maturing, right? As a, a plant, any local instantiation, you have to follow through, you know, the, the steps and the pathway. And you can see this with people who are trying to get into shape physically, right? So if you take somebody who is out of shape, and you put them on a professional bodybuilding program, they're going to uh, give up and and fail and not get the benefits. Whereas if they can get up at six o'clock and just move their body for 30 minutes every day, they're starting down that pathway, right? And to me, both of those examples one real world plant and one just how we behave as humans are good examples of the better easier right which is do what you can right now
0: i've got a book that i would love to recommend to you it's uh called um um oh gosh i'm gonna find it and tell you to keep going
1: well yeah so with uh just human nature being what it is, overcoming that uh, hindrance to getting started is the most important thing. And, and what you're doing can be improved upon later, but trying to go from sort of nothing to, um, you know, maturity, it, it just, just doesn't work in anything that we try, right?
2: Right, one of the things that I'm most often reminded of is when we bring engineered standards into a site that doesn't have documented processes, I mean, just just day one, what are you even measuring? Where does this come from? I once worked at a site where just the indirect and the overall performance of the Maynard operating system was used and versus no benchmark standards. So I'm, I just constantly have to tell myself, like, no matter what gear you are, you have to come to terms with precisely where we are if you want to get traction accept that. And make baby steps towards that goal. So specific to your physical fitness comment, you know, I got out and walked four miles today. Now, did I go to the gym and bench press 300 pounds? No, I would probably die. I am not built for that. Look at me. I am not sitting in this spot. But I'm going to start in a first gear and do everything I can to increase and get up to that fifth year level.
0: So there's a book. Is, uh, the, the author's name is Dr. Robert Maurer. And he wrote, "One small step can change your life." The Kaizen way. It's a really short book. It's really great. I'll, I'll throw the the link to it in the uh, uh, chat here. Um, but what he talks about is how that, you know, our fight or flight instincts. You know, when change is big, it triggers a fight or flight instinct in us. When we get a we, we get faced with a great big change, it's traumatic, and we have to we we have get faced with a fight or flight. You know, whatever our you know, whatever our inclination is, depending. Uh, but by making small incrementally small changes over time, we, we don't ever trigger that. And we're, we we ease into those changes so much easier because we do it as small bites. Uh, and it's just, you know, he talks about the psychology behind it. And I, I always recommend this to all my my construction folks that they read this, you know, and it has nothing to do with construction. They're like, oh, wow, we really love that. That's, that's amazing. I'm, so tired of reading lean books you know and it's even though it talks about the kaizen way it's not a lean book at all it just goes back and says you know the japanese have known this for a long time and this kaizen is, is a way that they've adopted for their business work uh, well and- i really i really enjoyed the spirit
2: of that and one of the things that made me fall in love with john's book one i was an operations supervisor at the time and his book's titled how to win as an operation supervisor Right Now." but it's succinct. And that's why the title is what it is, is it doesn't add long expansive words. It is direct to the point, here's the theory, here's how you apply it to what you physically need to do. And a space I felt was really missing. And I set out to do the same. Like the whole book is 15 or 16,000 words. It is not a long expansive book. It is engineered to take out all jargon. It does not once say Lean Six Sigma in the book. Um, it is completely built around the simplest, most succinct way I can tell the story of what you need to do to do precisely that. And it has a special place in my heart. Secondarily, I can tell you on the fight or flight response that is very real. And John and I both, by default, are fighters. So if you see us getting an eight hour argument, <laughs> it's because that's what that's what triggers us. That's the direction we go. We got scared.
1: <laughs> so we're fighting. So, so, uh, so you mentioned. Uh, being in the army, my brother Joe is a drilly at uh, Fort Benning. I think he just got transferred to the 82nd in Fort Bragg. Good for him.
0: Um, good, good he's finally off the trail. That's that's a hard road to hoe. It, yeah, you know, they, they don't talk about it, but I mean, they're, that's really one of the harder jobs in the army, and there, there's a really high suicide rate, you know, for yeah. active duty drill sergeants, uh, higher yeah. than than the rest.
1: Well, um, you know, being in the service and working with operators, you know, in the Asian theater, um, there are operators who are very effective at what they do. And then there's all of the people that um, have this fantasy of being an operator, or being a soldier. And you know, you know, the type of person that I'm talking about, and for them, it's all about the image. And, and most of them are not actually in the service, right? Um, and they'll, they'll we call, buy, them, we call
0: them posers.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. And and they'll buy tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff. And which is
0: uh, great if they're buying it from veterans. And yeah, <laughs> spending yeah, their exactly. money for veterans
1: <laughs> and and this.
0: enriching the veteran community yeah. while they're doing that. The problem with a lot of those folks is they start trying to take on those personas and and yeah. uh, acting as if they've done those things and you know the the, the really you know, the real the guys that really do those things they don't talk about it too much,
1: right? But they get results, right? So the the poser has got his you know uh, Roca eyewear and his Hamilton Field watch with the you know with the crown on the inside of the wrist and his cargo shorts and you know like they have the whole, the whole Five Elevens. <laughs> yes, yes, got the Five Elevens, um, and then you you know and and they will talk about theory, you know, extraction theory, and and, uh, so on and so forth. And then you have the people that actually do it for a living, right? And the difference is the true operators don't have a lot of dogma. They know how to get the job done, and they select the tool and the methodology and everything based on the context, right? Um, You know, the OODA loop, right? that really has a lot of similarities to uh, lean and continuous improvement, right? Where the folks that are really, uh, skilled at it and in the trenches, right? They are contextualizing their choices around better, easier, right? And that depends on your team. It depends on, uh, your contractual structure. Uh, there's so many factors that go into that, but you can always get better and easier. Right. And what you can't do is fail the mission because you couldn't get everybody to agree on a black belt project, or you couldn't get everybody to agree to 5S, the receiving doc. Right? Um, and, and so there can be a stumbling block there, uh, particularly when there's a lack of experience, I think like real world experience, a stumbling block to um, serve the system when the system is supposed to be serving you.
0: Yeah, I wrote an article. Um not too long ago on the lean builders blog, uh, you know, about planning, you know, and about how as an army ranger, everybody is part of planning. Uh, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand that, you know, in, in a regular army unit, it's not always that way. Uh, but in a ranger battalion when I served, uh, and, and today, uh, I know that it's still that way is everybody is involved in planning. Everybody gets a voice uh from the very newest person to the person that's been there the longest because they you know it's life and death and and it's there's there's no possibility too small to investigate that you know we need to look at something so that's something that's kind of uh you know i think missing in 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 the civilian world a lot is is that we we take for granted the people that are actually the value creators uh the people that are actually creating value especially in construction we we minimize them uh, we diminish them on a constant basis and it's just so freaking wrong.
2: Yeah, uh, and most of their roles are life and death. It really it really <laughs> is. It really well, is. And most
0: of our opportunity to save money and to, to make things safer are at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's that's where all of the, you know, because that's where that's what the owner's paying for at the end of the day is what those people are doing with their hands. It's not all the things that I think about in my mind as a a leader on that project. My only my only job as a leader is to make things easier and better for my people.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a great, you know, construction is a great example, where because of the dynamic, you know, you're working with subcontractors, and the (laughs) subcontractors um, are working with a rotating workforce. um, So the subcontractors can rotate, but even their their workforce can, you might have the same company subcontracting, but you have a different foreman from job to job.
0: I I had a project where I had maybe a requirement for about 15 framers on the project. The local framer here, this was when I was a project manager, the local framer here was actually hiring them from his competitor's labor service that they had started. He was giving them all the money that I was getting his competitor. dead, even competitor, except they didn't have a labor service. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So in that, in that context, uh, getting all of the players to agree to a lean business operating system is um, what's the right word? I was going to say, you know, pie in the sky fantasy, but maybe not that strong. But Shootings. the amount of the amount of energy. That let's, just, let's just let's just
0: call it a goal to still be uh, a a goal that we're still shooting for.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> a goal that we're still shooting for, right? But <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't do better, easier, and everybody can appreciate that. Everybody knows that. Thank
2: uh, you, John, for that long-winded uh, description of the difference between attribute and absolute data.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, that was the most insightful thing I've ever freaking heard in my life. What are we going to do? I mean, I don't know that I can remember it now,
1: though. If you miss that, it is not coming back. uh The camera won't uh, switch to you unless you talk, Brian. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when we talk about better easier and you know some of the, the stumbling blocks depending on your your context you know everybody can get behind better and easier uh, once you start uh, throwing jargon out there that's when you start to lose people right yeah um i work in uh westminster maryland run a factory out here and i've got some you know really good dudes that run the place and We, uh, we do better and better and easier. And I'm actually practicing organic lean here, Um, kind of an experiment where we're starting from nothing and uh, training everybody. They're learning how to do lean from scratch. And we haven't used a single lean word. And there's a a reason for that. And part of it is the people that we're, we're working with, you know, they don't want to speak Japanese. Why would they, even if it wasn't cultural appropriation, I mean, these guys are all 25 years old. You know, that's a real thing for that generation. The (laughs) demographic that we're we're working with, they're just not interested. Why should they have to learn Japanese to run a good operation? And that's easy, right? Yeah, well, all you have to do is take your ego out. And, And that's the challenge that I've found with so many leaders is they're more concerned with being an expert than they are with getting results.
0: Well, the concepts aren't Japanese. Right. I, the concepts are universal, you know, I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's what, you know, we, we fail to realize, you know, the Japanese took advantage of some, some stuff that the U S decided to forget after world war II. Uh, you know, I did, I did, a I put together a, a Kaizen class for, uh, lean construction Institute. And, and as I was doing that, I did a lot of research, you know, and, and where did lean come from and all that, you know, and it was really interesting to look at, you know, the, The lack of capacity, manufacturing capacity that we had because of the Great Depression, uh, coming all the way up until 1942, basically, you know, uh, people don't realize this, but unemployment was still 14% all the way through 1941. And that didn't really change until 1942 when it, it dropped to about 4%, and then it was basically zero in 44, and then started going up again in 45. Looking at all that history and, and understanding that these were American concepts, TWI, you know that's that's the basis of lean. If you want to get technical about it all, you know, mm-hmm. the training within industry, you know, job relation, all the, all those things, uh, and, and those are really basic things. But you know, even at the heart of TWI, was treating people with respect and understanding that, you know, yep. and and because we don't have a choice. Uh, yeah, got, it's we're, like, we're, did, did we have
2: to write that down? Did we have to call that out? It's funny that we're in a we situation though, where... Jack,
0: because we went away from it as soon as all yeah, the folks got back funny from It's we're, we're in a situation
2: where we do. We have to write that down. Like, rule number three at work, don't eat people. Holy shit. Like, I didn't realize I had to call this out. <laughs> yeah, maybe treat people better and they
0: will work for you. And then, yeah, seriously. I, you know, and that's, that's just it for me, you know, is finding finding ways to show people that. Now the last planner system is a great tool, uh, but you know, it's been used incorrectly a lot and been been forced down folks' throats and, and been just, you know, wielded like a, a, a battle axe instead of, you know, a tool to help people get better. Uh, so, you know and, and we, we do this with pool planning and everybody always wants you to come train them on pool planning and spend a whole day learning how to pool plan something that we do once every twelve weeks, maybe. Why? John, I am history. humbly reminded
2: when warehousing took off with like the first round of tier one WMS, there was not a single implementation globally that ever made anything better in the warehousing <laughs> world, but we brought know. in the system yeah. and found a way to make it worse. Yeah.
1: yeah. So what I push
0: now is, is you know, those daily huddles because we're doing those every day. We've got a chance to really make a difference. And And you know what? Even the, the the really resistant uh, older, as they're called, uh, superintendents who are used to, you know, the old way of doing things of telling everybody how it is, they really like daily huddles because it's there. It's one place where they get everybody together and they start to see the value in that, even if the, nothing else works for them. And, and you know, I get a lot less resistance doing it that way. You really do.
1: Yeah, and you get people communicating and and. Uh... That's a foundation you can build on as you start to add in more stuff, right? Just people yeah. talking and working together, right? Without that, doesn't matter what tool you think is going to work if people aren't talking to each other, right? And Jake, that's a great, great call out. You know that I think the technology uh, aspect or sector of operations is a classic example of where. We're not trying to make it better or easier. Somebody got a be in their bonnet and got drunk at a trade show and signed a contract they shouldn't have, you know, and made best buddies with somebody. And next thing you know, you have autonomous guided vehicles that are designed for picking things up with forks that are trying to do clamp work when they're not designed to do it. And you're spending millions of dollars to replace fork truck operators because you didn't think through what you were doing there. You weren't making it better or easier. You just decided to buy some technology.
2: Well, the whole motion does not equal progress, right? Innovation, right? Big old yeah,
1: scary
0: yeah. Jump, leaps forward. And, and, and that's that, you know, like I talked about that book, that's why it doesn't work. You know, we're, if we innovate our way out of something, that's just the, the times that that's happened in our in our country has been very, very small. Uh, I guess maybe the moon landing would be one way, Uh, you know, World War II would probably be, you know, something to look at. But even that's, you know, years, not, not
1: minutes. Yeah.
0: And if that (laughs) example
1: I gave seems oddly specific, it's because it was a real life dumpster fire that uh, Jake and I both dealt with. (laughs) (laughs) When you look up dumpster fire in the encyclopedia, there's literally a photograph of this operation. I, yeah, I had, the, i've been in
0: some situations with probably some competing photos there all oh, right so,
1: right yeah. fair enough well, but it's true the um uber mentioned philosophy right that has uh, permeated kind of western capitalism in, in general but this idea that you're going to have some elon musk that rescues you right the great man theory the great man theory you're going to have some you know, Terminator robot or some some <laughs> technological breakthrough that just BAM solves all your problems, you know, like, oh, there's, uh, there's people after me, you know, when when James Cameron was directing that movie, you know, obviously, he's very good at telling stories, right. So but what's the basic premise, the basic premise is somebody that is weak is in trouble. And they have this DSX Machina, you know, thing that happens in the movie where you have this perfectly created, you know, robot killing machine to protect you, you know, so it's like the ultimate fantasy, right? Well, that's Hollywood. They're supposed to do that. We don't live in Hollywood. We live in real life, right? So if someone's trying to sell you the T-1000 that, you know, can uh, morph into whatever and kill whatever and keep you safe forever, like it's not real, right? That's, that's a Hollywood fantasy. Um, but we treat our businesses that way. Sometimes, you know, industry 4.0 is going to solve our problems. No, it's not. Because your problem isn't that you don't have industry or you don't have technology. Your problem is that your leaders all suck.
0: You brought something to mind for me. And it's something that I've started this year, It's something new that I'm trying. And I've I put together a cohort. Uh, it's six folks. And, and we get together once a month for two hours, and um, I, I do a little bit of directed learning, maybe 15, 20 minutes, uh, sometimes not even that, uh, and we just talk. We, we, we work on problem solving. They bring their problems to these, these meetings, and, and they get access to coaching. And in a, I, I'm purposely targeting people at, like, project manager level and, and lower because they don't get access to coaching. Those folks never get access to anybody help, you know. You know, that has such a special place in my heart
2: because once a week, you can find John and us on Clubhouse. We do work it out Wednesdays where literally anyone can come, give us any problem, personal, professional, mental, and we're going to help you talk through it. Well, it was really cool
0: because, you know – one of the things we did this week because it was first first Friday of every month right now, and I'm, I'm looking to get another cohort started here pretty soon, You know, somewhere between six and nine folks. But well, send me an invite. What, <laughs> I will. Uh, what we're what we talked about this week was trust, you know, and, and how do we define it, you know, and that's something that I'm working on right now. You know, I got challenged, you know, and and I really couldn't just off the top of my head say what it is, you know, I, I know what it looks like, but
1: uh. What What attributes
0: are there?
2: I've got a fun, fun thing for you to try if you are so willing. I did a team building course uh, about a month ago with a group. And within that group, we did a trust exercise where I said, what are the attributes of trust? List me three to five bullet points on what you think the attributes of trust are. And we just mixed them all up in a hat and I got someone to come up and read them all out. And every time we felt one was different, put it on the board. And we only came up with like, six bullet points, despite a team of 12 people all writing their own thing out of their own mm-hmm. brain. I'm like, so this is what this means to you guys. And it's contextual and different in different groups. And uh, we ended up turning that into like a commitment board of these are the things we are gonna do as they relate to that. And it was a very, very moving exercise.
0: Well, we did a little bit differently. I had them list every attribute they could think of that, that mattered to them with trust. and I, I ended up with like 15, 16 myself. And then I had them think of a person, whoever they would like for that to be, and rate them zero to one hundred on each attribute, and then average it. You can actually score someone on how well you trust them. And, and you know the 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 challenge to everybody was to go use themselves. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's the scary one, right? That's the one you don't want to share with anybody
2: else. Yeah don't let don't let my wife give <laughs> you a score. Don't don't let that happen.
0: Well, I mean, what about scoring yourself, Jake? I, you know, I mean, that's the one where you know most of us are going to probably be pretty hard on ourselves in a lot of ways, you know. And yeah, and, and I think you know, it's it's we also have to understand that trusting other people starts with trusting us and 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 growing that trust in ourselves. And you know, and I, but you know, knowing which things and. and you can actually see how you can work on things by doing that. If, if, you know, my therapist gave me that little little uh, mm-hmm. exercise, so yeah, I, I shared it with them, and they were like, "Wow, this is great! I, hell, I'm going to use this with my team." Yeah. I, you know, it's just
2: it, it, it's not that you're going to
0: change right. anybody, but it helps us kind of see why we react to people the way we do sometimes. I think, yep. uh, you know, and, and and also maybe why they react to us the way they did.
1: Yeah, leadership is a Rorschach test yeah you
2: you are most certainly projecting your own emotions and feelings into the world every time words come out of your mouth
1: well sir yeah how you feel about yourself right directly influences how you feel about others and and the assumptions you make about their motivations and actions and stuff like that right so one of my challenges as a leader is i'm uh, very disciplined aggressive and controlling with myself right for me it's you're going to get up at 4 30 every day which i do except when i wake up before my alarm clock right It's you're going to work out every day of the week of the work week not saturday and sunday i take time off right um and you know there's that self talk that goes into that right like get your lazy ass out of bed get in the (laughs) gym push that fucking iron you know all of that but if probably we're going to be kind
0: to other folks, John, we need to learn to be
1: kind to ourselves a little bit too, right? You're exactly right. So it was probably yeah. 10 years ago that I got into my like self-discovery journey because I had gotten to the point where my performance reviews were less about like my capability and knowledge and more into the, hey, you're a leader of a team now. You're not executing anymore, right? And so leadership matters. It's and a huge job for
0: people to make, though. You know, what? that is a job. really huge job. We take and we approach leadership all wrong in the U.S. so many times. We take someone who's really, really great at what they do and just assume that they're going to be really great at teaching other people how to do that and, and leading them on how to do that. Yeah. It's not always. the case. You know, And then we, we trust every we don't leader train them to them. do it either.
2: We trust <laughs> every leader into ambiguity. And then we go, why have you all figured it out?
0: Hey, we, we don't give them any training on how to be a leader on, you know, on, on the importance of self-reflection and any of that kind of crap. We just, just say, now you're a leader, go, go do the same stuff
1: you've been doing. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I can count formal leadership training hours in, on one hand, like just for sure. And Brian, that's literally my story. Like that's exactly <laughs> what happened to me. Right. And to others. And that's why I wrote my book zoom, how to win right now as an operations supervisor, because I had no instruction. And as I moved up in the org and had to hire supervisors, I realized that they had the same problems I had. And so I just went on Amazon, went on Google, and tried to find relevant books for them. And you know what, they didn't exist. Uh, And I was like, well, then I'm going to write it, you know, gosh, darn it. Um, So very, very prescient. Uh, observation there. And you're absolutely right. Like I had to uh, come to terms with my own ego and the fact that, you know, this tough guy thing that I I had been doing for 30 years on this planet was actually rooted in, you know, some unhealthy um, psychology, you know, lack of self-acceptance, lack of self-kindness, you know, almost this idea that, that I'm not capable of execution you know without being mean to myself <laughs> yeah
0: you right? you 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 over um overachieve because you would you always feel you're not good enough to to you know because you're yeah. always chasing that right yeah now he
1: just takes it out on me and he's good <laughs> yeah i just transferred that all you know over the <laughs> transference that's but yeah <laughs> right <laughs> but uh you know you're exactly right so if I'm treating myself that way, right? I'm overcompensating for never being good enough for myself. That means that when my team is trying hard, they're never going to be good enough either.
0: You you right? don't, won't be able to recognize it, right? Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't even come to terms with easier, better. You're just more and harder.
0: You're, yeah. you're too focused on concentrating what's gone on in the past instead of being present on what's happening now. And that's, you know, that's the key, I think, is that everybody sort of figures out as they work through this stuff is, and, and that's not easy, you know. I, I understand that. There's always things that are that are cropping in on folks' minds and stuff. And eh, you know, I mean, I wake up some days and it's just a blizzard in my head, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and you know, you you try to get out of those. You know, you try to find a find a center and find a place where you can uh, you know be helpful to people because you can't when all you got all that stuff going through your head. It's it's a whole lot harder to be helpful.
1: Well, I cribbed a fairly useful technique. From uh, Shaolin they make a distinction between uh, sitting meditation or still meditation and moving meditation and for them when they go out and the the physical drills they're doing are extremely demanding right but they call that moving meditation and it's the the same principle of there's nothing in my mind except the motion I'm focused hundred percent on the execution of this motion and I've actually stolen that in those uh, times when I can't, you know, uh, sit and meditate, you know, I might be at work, and I'll just commit, you know, there's, there's uh, some concerns that I have that are overshadowing what's going on right now. Those are important, but now is not the time to think about it. And so I'm going to commit to just going through the motions. I'm going to focus on my physical activity at this point in time. And it works pretty well, actually.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, like, uh, when you meditate and then they're always talking about coming back to your breath and stuff like that, you know, that's that physical, uh, output of that, you know, that you concentrate on to sort of center yourself the same way, you know, when I'm, I'm out walking in the mornings, you know, I, I try to walk pretty regularly. I've, I've had uh, six surgeries on my knees, so I'm not running a whole lot anymore, but, uh, not right now, not right now, but, uh, I do walk pretty regularly and, uh, you know, I have had had those times walking where, you know, you do lose yourself. You know, I know that I used to do it a lot running, uh, you know, and that you, you get that hypoxia from, uh, you know, being out of breath and and uh, the oxygen and all that. I miss that part of running. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I have been able to find it just by by being present, being in that, you know, being there and being centered uh, on walk when I'm walking. it's uh, it's good that way, too. So. Yeah, a great LinkedIn
2: connection of mine, Alberto, said in a conversation with us, actually, that if you just start moving the hands, like you generally went over your heart and your mind. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome.
0: It's yep. awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: And the rest, too, right? Just getting out there and going and doing it, you know, and it's it's the same with, with some of this stuff, too. You know, I, I, I uh, went, the, the team that I went engaged with this week, you know, they wanted wanted to know if I had needed some time to do the training, you know, to teach everybody how to do it. And I was like, you know what, this is, this is something we don't need to spend a lot of time training on. We'll, we'll learn by doing today and uh, it'll be just as good. I promise. And it was, uh, they were, they were, they were happy, uh, you know, and we ended up getting twice as much work done by doing it. that Awesome.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you for a, a wonderful and uh, far reaching conversation around <laughs> better, easier, And stream of consciousness. (laughs) I feel
2: like this could be a three hour deal and I wouldn't stop talking to you and just have it at high octane time. Like I would just laugh the whole time away.
1: (laughs) We're definitely going to have to have you back on to continue the conversation. I think the main takeaway for me is don't let the context that you're in uh, keep you from succeeding. Focus on better, easier. And everybody can do that in any context you, you
0: control the context, right? I mean, you get to say, you know, you get to make a decision. It doesn't matter what yesterday or, or, or even your last
1: second was like, you get to say. Great word. So tell folks how they can get in touch with you.
0: Uh, the easiest way is probably just via email. Uh, BMW at field uh, BMW. What an acronym, man.
2: The last name has a winning in it. The initials are BMW.
0: The ultimate driving experience, baby
1: all right brian thanks for coming on jake you as well for everybody out there in youtube land thank you for joining a quality podcast have a good week
2: thank you